everybody. This is Dario Hunt from Living Life Fearless. With me as always is my co-host, Reese Walker. And we have special guest, Josh Epstein from Junior Junior. Welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so we're just going to do a little live artist talk and kind of talk about, you know, some of your band history, uh, stuff you've been working on. You have a new EP coming out, obviously the NBA and the restart yeah. about that. And, you know, just kind of have a good time. So we'll just get right into it. Um, your band history. You were originally called Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. Can you kind of go into why you were Dale Earnhardt and why you kind of shifted the name to just Junior Jr.? Yeah, so Dan and I, we were both in other bands. Um, I had been in a band that, like, we, we toured for six years, but we did it all on our own. We were, you know, sleeping on people's floors and sleeping. We had built, like, a, like a bunk bed in the back of our van, sleeping in the van. And uh, so on, as like a, as an experiment, I wanted to try and write an album with someone else who was like a songwriter and singer um, yeah. versus like, ha- you know, playing with people who f- specialize in other instruments. Yeah. And um, so we did that and it was kind of a joke to us. So we, we decided to call the band Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. And then we just put up a MySpace page and then that band ended up like doing so much better than the other bands that we were in that uh, it ended up kind of being the, being like the full focus of our energies for three years. Mm-hmm. And, I you, <laughs> and I heard you guys like actually had like uh, gotten a letter from Dale Earnhardt. We for, did. Yeah. The name. Uh, he, I, I sent him a letter to let him know that we weren't making fun of him just so that he wouldn't do <laughs> us. And he did send us a letter and he's like, you know, I'll never see you. And um, he thought it was like, he said that like some of the other drivers were making fun of him and, uh, but he's really cool. He's always been cool. He actually like someone that works for him bought up a bunch of our merch, like when we were changing the name, just so that he could have a bunch of stuff that said yeah. Junior. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. That's got to be a pretty cool, you know, feeling to have that kind of stamp of approval from somebody like him. Yeah, I mean, I think he seems like a, like a pretty good good guy too, which like you know makes me feel better about the association. Yeah, you haven't heard too much. I haven't really ever heard anything bad about him. So, I mean, it's not, not a bad name to have. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys ever do like any project associated with NASCAR or anything like that? Cause you guys know about a thematic type of, you know, projects or songs. No, we didn't. I mean, I, you know, I've never been into auto racing. <laughs> um, right. And, uh, and I think that was kind of why it was like funny to name ourselves that because we had none, neither of us had ever watched NASCAR and I still, you know, I can't like watch it. It's so boring. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now the most NASCAR watched was, um, Talladega nights. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we, I think, you know, at some point we, we still do want to, um, cause I think Dale Earnhardt Jr. plays drums and we do want to have him like play drums with us on, on like a. TV show or something. That would be amazing. That's the goal. That would be epic. That would be pretty epic. So when did you guys actually decide to kind of just drop uh, Dale Earnhardt or just go by Junior Junior? I think our our third album, it was like people thought we were like a joke or something. And um, so like every time anyone would ask us to do something, it was like, why don't you, you know, come out and drive go-karts around while you sing your song or like... (laughs) Uh like i feel like the attention was too much on the name and you know we felt like we wanted to stop answering questions about the band name and yeah 
still there on like album three. So we decided that we had to just kind of, kind of change it, which, you know, I mean, who knows? It might've, it might've screwed our career up in that, like the third album ended up having our first hit song on it. So like mm. when we had our first hit song, I feel like there's like half of the people that know us, know us from that. And then they right. know us from before. And a lot of times people don't realize that we're the, it's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, the names are pretty similar. I feel like it's a, a natural transition, you know. Hopefully those fans, I feel like, especially with your, your sound and the type of music you guys make, I think that uh, they'll, they'll easily have transitioned over. Um, but uh, I don't know if you want to talk about that, that, that song, that first big hit that you were talking about. Oh, yeah, it's called Gone. Um and uh, it's weird because so we were on Warner Brothers and that was our third album. And obviously, you know, when you're on a major label, they want you to have some some financial success. Yeah. And, and so uh, it was it like I think it might have set a record at the time because it didn't get into the top 10 on the radio f- until it was like 48th week. Which oh, is wow. kind of crazy. Like it just kind of was like really, really slow. I feel like it's a, it's an analogy for our whole career. Like it's just. It's never gone down. It's just been really slow. Slow and steady. Hey. And uh, that was, I think it was on in a movie soundtrack it made it to? Yeah, it was in Sausage Party in the trailer. Um, so we got to go to the premiere for that. I was actually... <laughs> oh, that's cool. You went to the premiere. What was yeah. that like at the premiere? Just like, did you get to talk to anybody? Yeah, well, so we got to walk the red carpet and then... Um, but we were just so uncomfortable that we like brought props. So we like brought like, like a bunch of bananas and like pineapples and stuff. <laughs> it's really weird. But um, I got to meet uh, Danny McBride and Craig Robinson. Oh, that's cool. Cool. Um, yeah, they were. I mean, you know, like it was just. I have a. I have like a lot of respect for um, for the film industry and like all the weird stuff those people have to do to promote their movies you know? yeah um but it was fun i mean it was a really cool experience and yeah that it, it kind of got into a lot of things actually it was um i can't even remember all of them but it was in like a bunch of commercials and a bunch of stuff yeah you guys have had a few hits that have made it into like soundtracks like 13 reasons why and and i think a couple times you've gone 13 reasons why now and uh commercials and everything else you're doing i'm i'm sure that's got to have like it'll be a really good feeling like hearing your your music being played like on that level. Yeah. I mean, I kind of grew up like I started playing music in like the late nineties. And so at that time I think it was like people still didn't want to, like it was like selling out, you know, if you like, mm-hmm. license. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now I think it's like the complete opposite. And I'm, I'm grateful that like so many corporations and, you know, bigger uh, like television movies, like television shows and movies are, are supporting artists, you know, because mm. like, especially now we can't tour. So the majority of our income is from stuff. Licensed stuff. That's gotta be a nice feeling having that kind of in your back pocket, at least, especially now. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think our song, our, our music is, is a little bit tough to like put into a genre cause it's kind of all over the place sometimes. But um, I think that tends to then work for like, in scenes for a TV show or in, you know, it's like a little bit, it's a little bit different sounding mm-hmm. uh, while it's like hard to categorize. I think it like works well in scenes or, you know, in a commercial. 
It's awesome. And you've also had, you know, experiences on like Conan and the late show with uh, James Corden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those I'm always so nervous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Corden, uh, um, Corden was cool last time. Uh, um, I'm friends with Reggie who is his like band leader. Okay. Yeah. He was actually, he was here. He was here yesterday. Um, but, uh, I was asking him if he remembered us being on that show and, uh, and he said he did. Cause it was like, I was like so nervous that it was like weird. <laughs> <laughs> he remembered you for that. <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, you were that really nervous, weird dude on this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is nerve wracking because you know, especially like as a performer, you know that that's like one of the things that's going to live online forever and forever. Mm-hmm. And you only get one try, you know. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to pull a what was it, Ashley Simpson? I think was that the one she was Saturday Night Live? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> yeah. But then there was another one. Um, my friends, my friend was tour managing a band. I won't say who they are, but um they started their song and their singer started singing in the wrong key. And so oh. then when the band came in, it was just this really weird thing. And so the tour manager went and kicked over an amp because the only way you can like retape it is if some, something bad. Happened. <laughs> That's close. <sick. laughs> they, they didn't let them cause they thought they like, they, they saw him do it. You know, they're like, screw that. And oh like, yeah. yeah. It worked. It worked. Yeah. So it's just a mess all around. Did they still did they still end up actually airing that? Oh yeah. Oh, they had. Wow. That's nuts. Wow. Oh, I gotta find that. <laughs> <laughs> see if I can like hear or see the disturbance in the back, like what the amp. Like oh. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who it is after. All right. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Off. Off. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, we did. Uh, I mean, I did go back and watch those performances, just kind of see, you know you know, live performance on national television. And from what I've seen, you guys killed it. You guys did really well. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's muscle memory. Yeah. Once you get going, kind of like get into it. Yeah. I mean, it's also like the danger of being a musician because like my, my girlfriend's a comedian. And so, you know, she goes up and like just has to talk to people. Yeah. Uh, but she's also kind of like having to think on the fly and figure out what people are, you know, and like, I just go up and play a thing I've played a million times. Sometimes I I think about what I'm going to cook for dinner while I'm doing it. I don't have to think about it. Totally different thing. It's just getting past that kind of that, that initial kind of nerves and getting into it. It's kind of like a sports, you know, you go into a big game, like a little nervous. Once you get that first action, it's like, okay, I know what I'm doing now, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, it's such a vain thing. Like, um, you know, like, I don't know, did you, did you guys hear Kanye talking about how, like, he was on medicine and the medicine made him fat and that's why he doesn't want to take it? Yeah. So, like, I can kind of relate to that because, like, I, I'm just going off of an anxiety medicine that, like, the reason I'm, like, that, you know, I gained, like, 10 pounds because I just can't, you can't get rid of it, you know? But at the same time, I think that it's irresponsible and selfish to not, like, figure out how to deal with yourself like to, just to like to like let it go for a vain reason and then like hurt people or like you know impact other people's lives negatively seems really selfish to me and, and that's like part of the 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 entertainment industry that you can't see until you're a little bit until you've been in it for a little bit and you're like a little bit older and wiser i think mm. yeah it's uh yeah kind of is a it's a unique 
uh, it's hard to like even really talk about him because at the same time, like Greg said, like he has all these well-known issues, but then it like also like reoccurring things that just keep happening over and over and over. It's like a reoccurring cycle. And at one point, you like you feel like sympathetic towards that vein, like him dealing with those issues. At the same time, it's like how he also has like extreme vein issues himself that like he refuses to even kind of acknowledge. So it's like, how do you really kind of approach that issue with him sometimes? Yeah, I mean, he uh, like I, I I heard from from an acquaintance that was that a like a some kind of dinner or something with him that like she actually thought that he was like, he hears voices. I wouldn't be surprised. And like, that's like, you know, that's like psychological, like he's so fucking talented, but like, just, you know, that's like scary. You know, you gotta, gotta it's very terrifying watching him now. Like whenever he opens his mouth, it's like, oh man, I don't know what's gonna, what's gonna happen right now. Like, it's scary for sure. You don't know. Cause it, it, what he says just happens to affect everybody's day. You know, like no and matter then, what, and he's so big, like just as a star that it's that it's global. Like everything he says is basically global, just reaches around the world, and it's like ter- it'd be terrifying to even imagine being like associated with him closely. And like, man, I don't know what's gonna happen right now when he's I'm not here about to do this. Like, yeah, because people like interview you. Like, if you were close friends with him. And we knew that, like, we'd be like, so, um, are you going to go to Wyoming? Have you talked to him? You know, yeah. like, what have you been doing to, like, help him? Do you think he's all right? Like, what, you know, like, everybody gets put on the spot for it now that's, like, yeah. associated. And every, no one's qualified to talk about it. Oh. But, mm-hmm. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> like, I didn't even talk about it. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, I just hope he's, like, wishing the best, but I don't know. <laughs> for real. I mean, he's so talented creatively. I mean, even, you know, even, like, fashion like his stuff's cool i he's just like i don't know i think i think hopefully you know you don't have to be that tortured to be a good artist yeah hopefully there's like some sort of midpoint um because it would be it'd be scary if like everyone who's creative gets the gets the leeway to like do what you know what he does like imagine if everyone famous was just out there being a fucking monster oh man (laughs) (laughs) no thank you I mean, I think there's definitely something to say about having that kind of torture, darkness, like within an artist that kind of helps certain artists in their music. But also there's a lot of artists that are extremely talented that don't have that aspect to them. So it's like, I think think the tortured artist is a bit overblown because there's a ton of genius level artists out here that you don't see, you know, going on, uh, presidential rallies saying like Harriet Tubman didn't free slaves and stuff like that, you know? So the political stuff is the weirdest. I mean, it's just, the it's just weird. It's very weird these days. Like everything's political now, like music, everything is just like, you know, you don't like Kanye, you're a great artist. Like you're a great, you know, creative, but you don't need to be involved in everything. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I think that I think that like we are we are in a weird place socially where like it's almost like you know I think everyone constantly thinks you know like this can't happen here this is America it's still gonna always be a democracy and be free and I think that like that kind of lulls people into a state of complacency and and and, 
you know, I think we're kind of at a point where you, you have to be engaged at least. You have to now. Yeah. That is so crazy. But you know, that's why I think that like the NBA is the coolest. It's so cool because they're, they're, they're using the platform. Like I was watching uh, the other day and thinking like, imagine being like a, a, a kid whose dad is the Trump supporter and being a huge LeBron fan and mm-hmm. being like, dad, why LeBron's like said that like black lives matter is like black lives matter. You know, yeah. why, why do you not think that? Like, I think that's a powerful cultural thing, you know? It's Very like, yeah. So I don't know. I can see it impacting everything so positively. Yeah, definitely. Like, well, Oh, that makes me, I have like two questions from that. <laughs> like one was like, um, is Kanye maybe like a musical influence in terms of like, just like, um, I don't know, auto-tune, electrical, sort of like crossover beat making style. Not so much like his vocals, but do you ever look at him in terms of your Oh my God. Yeah. Kanye is one of the best producers ever. Like even, even when he still is just like producing and not like uh, numbers on the boards, push it down. Like that's like, so it's brilliant. He's just so good. Um, Yeah. He loses me. Like I even, I went to, I went to his, his last show on his last tour and um, you know, he had me, I was super into it. And then he like gave this like speech for like 20 minutes about how he's and I was just like, like, fuck this I, like, <laughs> right i came here for the for the genius not the rant like <laughs> and it, it didn't make any sense it was like it's just incoherent yeah who are some of your other influences like musically um i think the beach boys were like one of the first i i yeah. <laughs> apparently when i was a kid i listened to alvin and the chipmunks and my my parents like oh, yeah hated that so much that they like gave me the actual like songs you know that they were were, like one of the first things um and then i got into kind of like weirder uh chicago like indie rock stuff like tortoise and the sea and cake and um and then i and then i got into um like when like snoop dogg came out with like his first album and then there was like the chronic yeah and then tupac and biggie like i like i feel like i was just su- such a hip-hop fan then mm-hmm. uh and then kind of like got back into folkier stuff yeah uh and yeah but now i think i i i like to i like to listen to people who uh, have something to say yeah and you know music's like less of a of a party accessory to me than it was at a certain point in my life Mm. right i feel like a lot of pop music just went to like you know pop pop of every genre went to like just like party accessory you know basically yeah Mm -hmm. festivals whatever is going to play the biggest and yeah yeah Yeah, like or like what you could play in a club what you could play you know when people are over at your house yeah like it's like it, it's like i think i mean i even think to, to some extent like when you're driving in your car like what are you gonna play that like if you're like i don't know like a lot of people like still have like bass in their car and stuff it's like it, some sometimes music's an accessory in that way but um yeah lately i've been more just into like 
the the more the more art, artful artists. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I did like uh, the Fushnikins and Shaq. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he did go platinum. He did go platinum. You see when he like that that uh, there's like footage online where he like tried to stage dive and like no one. No, I did not see that. Uh, that should ne- <laughs> that should never be a thing. Shaq stage diving. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a video on YouTube and he like stage dives and then he like gets up and he's like bleeding and he it's like it's awesome. That, like, there's no way they caught him. Like, there's no way. Oh, no. Nah. Y'all got out of the way. Like, <laughs> you just literally kill somebody. Yeah. So, no, uh, no Eminem influence there from Detroit. Nope. Um, no. And I never cared, really. I mean, I, yeah. he's fine, but um, I knew some people that like worked with him and, you know. Just I mean, I, I I hate Kid Rock with everything. Hey, I'm right there with you. Everything. Hey, all right. Well, it's it's nice to hear somebody from Detroit say that. <laughs> I mean, he he's the worst kind of racist because he got famous for being a rapper. Um, yeah, basically from the culture, and then yeah, that's why everybody's confused. Like, wait, weren't you? Weren't, didn't you get famous from rap? Like, what like what's going on here? <laughs> for real. Yeah. yeah, and also you know I like I I knew. Went like when Ba with the Ba was was big. Like I knew this girl who worked at like a nightclub, and you know she said that he would come in and give, like the cute servers like two thousand dollars for a tip for the night. But then like people that played in his band, he was like so stingy with them. So that that kind of like made me think he was a dick too. Oh wow! So you just be that's weird. I hate people like that. But that's about right. That's what I've heard about that guy. You know? Um, yeah, like in his band. He, He's not gonna. He's not gonna take care of you, really. But if if there's a possibility that him giving you a big tip is gonna like, you know, make it seem like he's like a big a big guy around town, then he'll do it. Yeah. yeah. He used to say he used to say, if you act like you're king shit, eventually people think you're king shit. I could definitely see him doing that. So uh, what's the what's the Detroit music scene like? You know, you know, I'm I haven't been there for so for for a bit, so I'm I'm a little out of touch with it. I think it, it's in general like all over the place because we have like there's there's so many influences in Detroit. You know, like there's Slum Village, mm-hmm. JD Jadilla, um, then like Danny Brown, yeah, amazing hip hop. Then there's like techno. Like all the like Detroit techno artists that you know mm-hmm. that that like pioneered. A yeah, bit. I feel like techno and house is probably pretty big because it's like Chicago area and all that kind of mixing between the two. Yeah, Chicago and Detroit, I think, always like argue over who who started the electric. Yeah. Um, but then there's also like what I call shit rock, like the MC5, um, like just kind of like punky, rocky bands. Uh-huh. Like the White Stripes kind of like started in that vein okay game more pop um yeah and kid rock is his own thing uh eminem's kind of its own thing kind of his own thing too like uh, he's pretty reclusive see so never there's never any m sightings through the scene in, in detroit yeah like so like i said he he has a studio um 
in Ferndale, which is where Dan lives. And, um, but, you know, he's got like a private entrance and like a, you know, fenced in parking lot. So like, I don't think people really see him, but my friends used to have to get him. Um, like when he was, uh, when he was trying to get, come off of like, uh, opioids, my friends had to like get him, uh, quarts of Ben and Jerry's all the time. Cause like he was like, <laughs> you know, ice cream. I mean, I can imagine for him, it'd probably be really hard to even be like living around there just cause how big he became, you know? So like, that's, I would, I'd probably be pretty reclusive too. Cause he's like at, at a whole other level that I don't think anybody can really imagine how big he was at one point, you know? Well, yeah, there's another artist from Detroit. I always get, I think it's, I think it's trick daddy. Yeah. Uh, or tricky. Trick, like, trick. It's trick, 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 yeah. trick from Miami. Yeah. The trick, trick, um, apparently like recently even, um, like showed up at like a video shoot with Eminem and Royce the five nine and like with like weapons and, and shot some shot some shots in the sky. So like apparently like this is still a thing. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well the Detroit hip hop scene has always been pretty uh like well known for that, like aggressive kind of culture. And then Danny Brown's not like that at all. Like Yeah, Danny know. Brown's kind of a he's an outlier. He's like, I, I, I've like his him, own thing. Met him a bunch of times and we even played a show with him. Um and then like I saw him last year at Eric Andre's birthday party and he, he didn't remember <laughs> he had no idea who I was. I was like told my girlfriend, I was like, Oh no, I know this guy. We'll say hi. And he was like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Brown is like he's a great performer, like, but he he's wasted up on stage though. He'd be getting lit. Danny Brown parties when he performs. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was probably the case uh, that night because he he had performed. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. You know, I mean, he also seemed to be talking to like a woman. And, you know, I, I know how that is. I don't get yeah. that. for sure. So you left the major label, um, and you guys went back indie, correct? Yep. Uh, now we're, we have our own label, so it's uh, it took like. It took like a year and a half to like finally figure out how to how to do this on on our own again because like I think the one of the blessings and the curses with a major label is like like other people start to do these things for you and you you see mm. that responsibility and yeah. then um, and then you like lose touch with the project in general and also like with how to do the the things that you've like let other people handle for a while yeah. So, um, but I feel we feel empowered now, and it's cool. Like we're, I think we're just going to be releasing music really steadily. Yeah, you guys have released, uh, you know, music pretty pretty frequently. I'd say over the last year, right? Uh, it's been like every yeah. couple of months. And I mean, you think that's because you left that major label situation? You felt like you know you wanted to creatively just kind of get back to what you guys wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, like there are some amazing people in the major label world. Some, some like really talented people. Um, you know, it's like anything though, there's like s some bureaucracy and some people are just like idiots. And um, so like we had, we had a song when Spotify first started, we had a song called James Dean that we put out and it was, um, it was like the, it was on the, the global trending. It was like, it had 5 million streams in its first month, which was like pretty mm. crazy back then. And so we said to Warner, like, we should make this a single 
And they were like, no, streaming's not, it's not a thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> what year was this? This was 2015. Mm. Streaming's not a thing in 2015. Okay. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, and then like we had, um, we had a song. So after, after Gone, which was like the, like the, the hit, um, we, we wrote Same Dark Places uh, that premiered in 13 Reasons Why. Yep. And, um, and so, you know, we were like, you know, now that we, we've been doing like, because when you, when you have a song on the radio, you have to go, like radio stations can't overtly get paid to play your songs now. Yeah, but like yeah. instead the label will be like, well, they'll come and play your like Christmas show for free. Yeah, a little, uh, you know, what's it called? Quid pro crow, basically. Yeah. So we would, we did maybe 38 free shows that year. And so we were like, we just, we should just at least put out another song so that they have something else they can play. And then the, um, the, someone at the label said that the con the subject matter was too dark. So they don't want to make it a single. Um, <laughs> it's just like sh shit like that where it's like push back, label pushback. That's bullshit stuff, man. That's crazy. But it's so it's cool now that like you're sort of liberated, but you know, the burden on you is like to educate yourself on like all the, the things that you let somebody else do for you pretty much. Right. Yeah. And then also, you know, there's like, there's, so the, the advantage is that we, we can put out things whenever we want um, and put out like, you know, random things like swish. Um, but, uh, but, you know, also the disadvantage is that like in order to get, radio play you do need like the, the the major labels do have a monopoly on that system you know for the yeah most. so like i think even chance the rapper was having trouble getting on the radio for a while right like he, yeah yeah until kanye started working with him on coloring book he wasn't on the radio but he was like the, it streaming better than anyone he was like yeah, he yeah. great streams but he didn't have that kind of you know that major label backing so they weren't like pushing for them so much on radio that's the weird thing it's like it's definitely not a meritocracy like there's no radio station that's actively looking to like i mean that's that's not true there's a few that will actively look to try and like break new artists but for the most part they're just you know playing what they what their company that owns them like clear channel or whatever is telling yeah them. i mean that's the weird thing about the radio right like i i stopped listening to the radio a long time ago because of that because they stopped actually looking to like introduced new artists new music and they were just really interested in just playing whatever was popular and whatever label is pushing it the most and it just kind of it all gets it all starts to sound the same you know you kind of get lost into that that whole top 40 playlist that everybody plays and it's just like man like when mm -hmm. those days of you know radio like breaking stuff i think it's kind of gone yeah to an extent i think to like in in certain genres like i I don't know anything about country music, but I think like people still buy CDs that are country fans. So yeah, like, that's very possible. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the radio is probably still important for them. Who knows? Mm. So um, going to indie, you have your own label, you said? Yeah. Do you guys plan on like signing other artists to that label too, or just focusing on yourself right now? <sighs> yeah. I think eventually we're going to sign other artists. Um, for now it's been just us like our, our junior junior project. And then my old band's album is coming out. Uh, Dan's old band's album is coming out. So it's kind of like only things related to us so far, but like the, the, yeah, the dream is to like, um, that's why I got this garage space. Actually, I want to be able to have, um, 
people in in Los Angeles, like younger artists, like have a space. I want to be able to work with them and then hopefully mm -hmm. assist them throughout the whole process, you know, yeah. if, if they need it. Um, that, that's the dream. That's awesome. That's dope. And, you know, for that radio situation, you guys kind of need a, a Suge Knight type figure, man. Somebody who'll go in there and he'll, he'll break right through the meritocracy. Yeah. I mean, that guy, <laughs> what an amazing person to like have in your corner, you know, what an awful person to have. <laughs> yeah. Great and awesome at the same time. Like, yo, he'll, he'll get you radio play somehow, some way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think that, I think that's like the problem with the world, right? Like all of us think that we're like, we are living in like a merit based system where like, we're going to like, you know, work hard and be good at something. And then like, that's going to get you ahead. And then there's like mm. some guy that's just like, check this out. <laughs> just like walks into the door and chokes someone. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you're on the radio the next day. Yeah. 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 So obviously the world's been a bit crazy with coronavirus and COVID and the pandemic. We kind of talked about this a little bit before, but I don't know how you're, how you're coping with everything. Um, you know, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's like one day at a time. I, I, I think, um, certain days I wake up and I'm just like not enthusiastic about doing anything and certain, like I've been also super inspired. There's been a couple of weeks where I've made like a lot of stuff and I, you know, mm. taught myself how to like do some other, like you know, do some video editing stuff, you know, um, trying to learn, but you know, it's, it's hard to motivate sometimes. Yeah. So, and like, I'm, I'm one of those people, like I, I, I learn best in classes and like, even like for like going, going to exercise, like I like to go to like a class, uh, like in person. Yeah. And, and so it's been weird to like, you know, just do the zoom workout classes and stuff. <laughs> so how's that kind of affected you guys, you know, you and your partner, Daniel, uh, collaborating on like music and stuff. Um, we are we are perhaps one of the best bands suited to this because I've been living in Los Angeles for five years and he's been in Detroit the whole time. And so we do get together, you know, five times a year to like work on stuff, but we're always sending stuff back and forth anyways. So we were kind of used to this. So, okay. so that way, like our, our creative dynamic is totally fine. And I think that's why we're, you know, just going to be able to keep on putting songs out. Cause we're like, we're kind of like set up for this. Yeah. Um, and you know, to be honest, I don't like love touring. Uh, so I'm like, you know, I'm sad that we can't like see our fans and stuff, but I'm like not that bummed. That yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, for sure. Setting up and, you know, <laughs> packing up the van, that's, that can be <laughs> tedious night after night for sure. So exhausting. And, you know, it's like also super exciting the first four times through every city. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, by the time you've been to a city like 10 times, it's like, all right, I get it. I get it. Austin, I get it. <laughs> so you guys just released the uh, August and everything prior EP. That was back in May, I believe, right? Yep. And there was a song I wanted to kind of ask about. It's called Cops. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was this in response to kind of, you know, the <laughs> reckoning that's been happening or was this already done before? So, okay. I'm, I'm really glad you asked about this. Cause this is something I actually didn't, we had a, we talked about not putting it out because 
to me, that song is, is, um, it, 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 it's about white privilege because white people at white people's version of the cops is like, they're annoying. They're going to like break up my house party. They're going to, yeah. the chorus I believe is like, I hope the cops don't get called. I just want to dance. I think that's what it was. Right. Um, but then it's like that, that song was written. Uh, that was one of the ones that was written maybe like four years ago. So, um, then we finished it. And then like, you know, I think that a, a lot of people are having like a, um, a perspective like an awakening of perspective you know like where like like certain times like like something makes so much sense that you just you'll never be able to think the other way and i think that for me like the past few years um and black lives matter and everything like has made me um want to learn and also you know fully aware of like the privilege that i have had as a white passing person um I say white passing because I'm Jewish. And so I have the privilege of being white until I don't, you know? Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I guess I was like a little embarrassed when that song came out because um, it just felt like such a gaping, glaring example of, of white privilege. But then at the same time, I, I thought that it was maybe worth putting out to just be able to discuss it, but no one's yeah. like, no one's brought it up yet. So. Yeah, I mean, when I I went back and listened, I, I heard it and I saw it, and I was like, well, it's like it's kind of the timing was like you know really in line with what was actually happening around you know the world, but then at the same time, I know how music works, so I figured it might have even been something that you were thinking about particularly when you made it because it could have been an older song, and I I was I really was curious about that is if you made it in response to it or it was something you already kind of had that just happened to come out around the same same time. I mean, I think, you know, I think in general, everyone has the same feeling about police, which is like, I, they're annoying. I hate them. You know, like everyone, like, they, you know, they, but, uh, but, you know, I've, I've, I've only been like slapped by police officers. I've never had this shit kicked out of me by police officers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like people were kind of complacent, like, um, we were definitely in a place of complacency with everything. And I think like with the pandemic and with, you know, all this awakening about policing and everything else, it's definitely, I think, snapped people out of, you know, whatever place of kind of ignorance or just lack of interest that they were. And it's hard, it's hard to kind of go, like you said, it's hard to go back now that you're like, people are fully aware of the true situation that's been going on. So I just thought it was a really interesting time. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate you asking about it. I, th- I think it's really also like, like a lot of these things that we, that, that are part of our society are like, are um, for self-protection, you know? So it's like, if you really focused on everything wrong with the world, with the same level of focus that like, as a society we have on, on like, a, a lot of issues right now, but like they're very prevalent and being discussed. Like yeah. I think you'd go crazy because there's just so much wrong with everything. It's like, you know, so I think in a lot of ways we kind of like tune stuff out over time for self-protection just so that we don't have to like be, you know, freaked out and sad. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy. Like tearing down that veil and like seeing 
the world had really is versus how, you know, you want it to be, you know? Well, it's also like, you know, I could, I could think of, of a reason why every day I should be doing something for someone or, you know, other people or yeah. you know, like I, it, it's, it seems like it, it could be never ending. Could be very never so ending, yeah. yeah. So I don't know, you know, but I think it's cool. Like when we have a moment as a society where we can all kind of like come together and get on the same page. Cause I think part of our problem is that we're never on the same page. There's never like, there's even like multiple channels for news. So it's like, you don't even like some people think, some people think that Bill Gates is going to invent a vaccine for coronavirus to plant microchips in them so you can keep track of them, you know, while, while they're tweeting from an, a phone that he built that he, can definitely track them on, you know, yeah, like, we're already being tracked on. We're already being tracked. Like whenever people would bring up that, you're like, well, what do you think they've been doing for the last 10 years? You think they haven't been tracking? They've been tracking us with everything. Like what? I, like, yeah, I'm, they'll I, tell you I, how long you sleep every day, like based yeah. on your own activity. <laughs> they somehow know my heart rate, you know, like, how yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's cool that we're all kind of like getting on the same page and, and, you know, like I'm trying to learn, trying to like, you know, trying to uh use my privilege for for the right reasons for good for good things you know hopefully moving forward yeah it was a great song so i i liked it i was very very curious about it and speaking of bringing together obviously basketball basketball is something that has always brought people together and especially now with the pandemic and no sports for so long um you know i know you have a big love for basketball. Can you, can you want to kind of talk about how, you know, that is and like your thoughts on the NBA restarting? Yeah. Um, I have always loved basketball uh, since I was like really young. And I was, I was like I said before, I was going to be a ball boy for the Pistons in game six of um, the NBA finals in, in 1990. And, um, and then they won game five. That was against the, who was that against? Portland. Okay. And uh, I remember crying, even though they won, which, you know, <laughs> but um, I was actually like, I was at the game in 04 when Chauncey hit the half court shot off the backboard. Oh and, yeah. Like to, to send it into overtime. Yeah. Big shot Phillips. Yep. He really was like that team. That team was cool. I, uh, I thought they would win. I really thought that team with Chauncey in them was going to get one. Yeah, they did. I mean, well, the, yeah, after, like, LeBron stopped that second one from coming back. Like, I thought I thought they, they would be unstoppable with, like, Rashid and all them. That was crazy yeah. team. Like, yeah, Rashid, Rashid was, like, I had always heard from, like, you know, people who knew more about basketball that, like, Rashid was, like, considered, like, the best all-around player for a while. He was definitely considered one of the most underrated players that can do everything for you. He was like a shooting big man who would score inside and do it, handle and all that before, you know, now where everybody has to be able to shoot and do all this. But like, he was kind of the, one of the first people who was really like, oh yeah, he's a knockdown shooter and he can do all this other stuff for you at 6'10", you know? Mm-hmm. Plus, he, plus he was, uh, he was funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny, wild guy. You guys had a wild team, like really, honestly. Yeah, like, wild, man. He wild, was like, aggressive. he was buck up, like he was all of that. Like, get a six six center who like rebounded and blocked everything, like <laughs> big man. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, 
And that's funny. Like Detroit's kind of a smaller town. There's like all sorts of stories about, about the, about those. About guys. The Pistons, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are rock stars out there because they're, you know, winning championships. Uh, the only sports team out of Detroit to, you know, actually be winning yeah, championships. Vinny Johnson probably has never paid for a drink in his life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone loved like, Mike, I mean, he's like still like, yeah. I mean, I think if you, um, if you play for the Pistons and especially if you win a championship, like, you know, you're a guy. Yeah. Probably whatever you want. I mean, I knew I, I've met Rick Mayhorn a couple times. And I actually had conversations with him. So, and he finally was like, "Yeah, they, I love Detroit. They love me." Like it was just. Um, he talked about the period when they were, you know, the bad boy Pistons, and he was like, "It was yeah. unreal, unreal times." Yeah, mm-hmm. they they uh, they just tore that that um that stadium down. Actually, the, the yeah, I heard it was in what, Auburn Hills. Is that where it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. I mean, it is a it's weird to like kind of weird location already. Yeah. Um, but now I think that the, like the little Caesars arena where they play now, it's like, I think that it was like putting basketball in was more of like an, an afterthought. And so like when you're not like on the court, but when you're in the front row, there's still like hockey boards. Mm. That's weird. Awesome. I feel like the arena is like built like more vertically, yeah. which is like here to watch hockey, but it's which not for hockey. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I don't know. I, I guess I like the other place better. Hey, I mean, if Detroit can get back to the glory days, maybe you guys can get a new stadium, you know? They're a little ways off right now. I mean, it's it's been our drafting, you know? Like, Luke Kennard over Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> well, speaking of drafting, I mean, uh, Darko Milchates over Carmelo Anthony. Like, what? Or Wade, for that matter. <laughs> like, what? You could have um, – they could have – you guys could have had a legit dynasty if – they would have either one of those players. I wonder if Melo would have been happy in Detroit. I think they would have made him a better player, like over, overall earlier on in his career. Because yeah, he would have won championships. Right, and, and they probably would have, would have won a second championship. because yeah. Oh, yeah. He needed scoring, and yeah. Melo was an automatic score. And, like, that's – I think he would have eventually became his team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I thought about that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to hurt because Mel even talked about it. I think he talked about it like a couple weeks ago. He was like, yeah, I think if I got John by Detroit, I might have had like two, three championships and I'm not been a different player. Yeah, well, then plus, I mean, you know, Joe Dumars then like traded away Billups for Iverson, which was like a weird yeah. move. Yeah, I mean, man, that's weird. I know. Being from Colorado, I always imagine like if Chauncey would come back to Colorado and play with Melo, <laughs> and like if they could get and it. And it happened. <laughs> and that just happened to be Melo's best years. That yeah. was his best. Yeah, I thought that was like. So, I think Billups and him together early on would have been amazing. And then he just left, and that was a wrap, basically. Do you, do you guys kind of think, aside from aside from Giannis, do you think that Milwaukee currently? is kind of more like the 04 Pistons than any other team. We're like, they just have a bunch of really good players, but none of them are like superstars. Hmm. Yeah. I, don't think no, superstar. no, I, can't, I can't say that because Rip Hamilton, I like I Toronto think, might be more like that. Yeah. I think they're more like Toronto. I would say be more like Detroit where they have like really good individual players. But see, I can, he's pretty, he's pretty legit. Superstar. Yeah. He's like a, yeah, Tyshawn scoring Tyshawn Prince to me, like, oh man, yeah. 
And Tyshawn was my guy, you know, and then Rip Hamilton, I think. <laughs> so like I'm just automatic and then you know, obviously Chauncey like if he were playing now, I think if Rip were playing now, he probably would, would have shot the three better. Yeah, he didn't nobody you didn't need to shoot the three back. Nobody cared so, about yeah. the three. They were yeah. caring about handles and getting getting a pull up, you know. It was like, all short corner mid range, just yeah. automatic. Like shot like eighty five percent from there. Like it's ridiculous. He, he seemed like one of those guys that like would have been so annoying to have to try and cover, just because he's like running all game. Oh my god, it would be so annoying. Bro. <laughs> so obviously, Detroit is your favorite team. Um, who's your favorite player growing up? Hmm. I don't know. Um, I mean, I loved Michael Jordan, but I hated him too because he <laughs> he ended the bad boys. Disaster. Yeah. yeah. Um, I loved Isaiah Thomas, and then when he went to New York and was like such a disaster there, I kind of getting like, a lot of uh, he's getting a lot of hate lately. His his image is kind of getting torn down a bit. Well, I mean, I he he was really he was a great player though. Um, Amazing player. But I loved Grant Hill. Like when Grant yeah. Hill and Jerry Stackhouse were on the Pistons, that was such a when they had teal jerseys. That was yeah. like such a fun team. Mm-hmm. Injuries. Um, yeah, seriously, I think Grant Hill would have been one of the better players ever. Sure. All around player, did everything. And he was even Penny Hardaway. <laughs> like those, those were like the two guys that I thought would be like Jordan, but you know. Yeah. And Derrick Rose too. Derrick Rose is like, although Derrick Rose had a pretty good year this year for us. Yeah, I mean, he, he's had a good last two years. Like he's never, he's never going to be obviously MVP level, but he's still a legitimate starter. I think he's like really quick again. You know, still like getting like, that explosiveness back for sure. Yeah, I think he's feeling more confident. Like after basically being hurt for three straight years, you'd feel a little like less than confident being aggressive on your moves and stuff like that. So like, I think he's finally kind of feeling that, feeling like normally confident again. So. I get it. I, I broke my foot um, freshman year of college in, uh, mm-hmm. playing a soccer game and I had to get a surgery. And then, yeah, I was kind of never, never as quick, never as like, and it was mostly just like, it's in your head. It's like, yeah, you know, just favor the other leg more. Yeah. But um, I mean, they have such great sports science now. Like that, that's like, that's one of the things about like, like LeBron James is his commitment and his, work ethic and his talent like incredible but he also has access to like sports science that i think other people didn't have for sure you know for sure one thousand (laughs) percent i mean they were playing chucks back in the day like like what yeah (laughs) they have better technology for their feet (laughs) (laughs) like how do you play in those (laughs) i don't know how did everyone like they must have all had to tape their ankles like no for sure but also like just the like landing on those, like that, like constantly, like man. Yeah, imagine somebody else landing on your feet in those, like <laughs> in basketball game. Like ah, can't even, can't even walk in chucks for too long. If you start, and so yeah, I don't have no idea how to play. My my foot hurt for like six months because I walked around Manhattan one day in chucks for like. Oh my god! Nah, see, yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine that. You, you can't wear shoes that look cool but aren't comfy out here. <laughs> no, I know. I'm all about comfort. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the NBA restart? I, I'm so happy that they're doing it. I mean, first of all, the like baseball was really set up to have a bubble, right? Because they like already have spring training 
in Arizona and in Florida. Like they could have just kind of done that. They talked about it out here in Arizona, but then players union and then Arizona started going crazy with the numbers again. And then it kind of fell through. But now it's like, so, so how do you even have a baseball season when like certain teams can't play because they got too many players that are sick? I don't know, let U.S. teams into their country. Also, why are they even traveling to stadiums when there's no fans? Like, what? That whole thing is really stupid. It's a mess, for sure. So basketball is like, first of all, like if it wasn't for Gobert being an idiot, America wouldn't have taken COVID seriously for a lot. <laughs> NBA was the was like the moment, like when they were like, all right, we're suspending all NBA the rest of the season, and people were like. What? Like, oh, it's serious. You Not know? a little hasty, and then like next day, boom, 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 boom. Like, yeah. no, I was like the, that was like the first thing, and then, and I think that like for them to have even like even the like Zoom fans, it's yeah. like cool. Like, it looks awesome. You know, yeah. like, I love that. I love that. Like, you know, like the NFL became a symbol of like politics because like president tries to talk shit about the league and mm-hmm. like and, and 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 i love how the nba is just like so all on the same page and yeah. like they weren't about to let it get politicized they were just like this is what is right and we do it i thought that was like the coolest thing don't back down it's hard i mean yeah like they know they know where their where their fans are they know where you know they're more in touch with actual communities that watch their sport than I think any other sport right now in the world. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think as, as, as um, any kind of entertainer, whether you're like a musician or an actor or comedian or athlete, like it is frightening to, um, to think that you could lose like every audience. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, I think that it's, it's increasingly important for everyone to like actually stand behind justice and, and just what's right, because that is how society can like, I know you're never going to like eradicate injustice and racism, but like I I had a friend who, who, who put it really brilliantly where he said that like um, Trump has given like all those cockroaches permission to like not scatter when the light turns on. And, uh, and I think if we, like, I think we have to like make them go back into their dark corners, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said, like it's, they're all on one page and you know, they have it right there on the court. They have, they have it in their, their interviews. They have, they speak like from top on down. And it's like, you know, maybe some fans will be like, Oh, I'm not watching it. But at the same time, like how big a fan were you to begin with? And then also like, they'll get over it because it's still basketball and then they're going to come right back. Cause it's like, once, once you have LeBron going for 60 in a game in the finals or something like that, like it's hard to like stay away. I don't understand how you could be racist and watch any sport in general. It's something that's been mind boggling for years, you know, like, yeah, like, oh, I'm a diehard, you know, NFL fan, but, but okay, well, it's like 80%, you know, minorities. Like, so what's going on? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's also like if you're like a like a white supremacist, like you know, how gotta be hard watching sports for white supremacists. Yeah, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> like, gotta be a tough time. Like, how do you how do you you know equate those two sides? Even like I don't know. I think most forms of entertainment, like 
<laughs> like, I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, like, there's a lot of white suburbs out there that listen to hip hop too. Like, don't get it, you know. So it's like, how do you even like bring those two together? Like, it's weird. People yeah. just are just all screwed up in the head. I think once you get to that kind of point, anyways, it's unnatural. Yeah, I wish that there was one, like, one definition of of like reality. I don't know how to I don't know how to achieve it. You know what I mean? But like, if everyone could just like agree on the same sets of like fact like all right, this is what's actually this well, is what happens. <laughs> with the twitter and the internet that'll never happen now like oh, anybody yeah. can start a blog or a website or any voice any opinion and they'll have somebody who will agree with them so it's like nope those days are I mean, gone there's all this like anti-semitism on the internet now too which is which is crazy because like you know growing up jewish like i, I definitely when i when i lived in north carolina i i felt anti-semitism but in Detroit, like I really didn't feel it. And, um, I don't know, I don't know how to even have the conversation because it's such a giant, it's such an old historical problem. Yeah. I like hard to even give anyone, like it's hard for anyone to have that context, you know, like, yeah. like, like if you're talking about like Israel and why it exists, like it exists because like there's never been a country that stood by its Jewish population when they were getting persecuted, like they all like Jews had to leave everywhere, you know? So then it was like, it started so that people could have a place to go. But now, you know, 70 years removed from that, it's like a whole different problem. Yeah. And, and people don't, you know, you know, it's, it's, I think maybe we, we all just don't have as much of a, a historical perspective. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that the Tulsa riots were a thing until I watched the Watchmen. I had never been taught about that in school. Oh Yeah. And right, was, yeah. It scared me, you know, because I was like, holy shit, this happened in my, like, I didn't even know about this. It, yeah. It's really scary. Yeah. Uh, history is definitely very important, especially like the true history of stuff. Like, otherwise, like you said, if you don't know your history, you can keep repeating it, which is obviously the cliche saying. But it's very true because these issues keep popping up over and over again. But also because people are so ill informed about the actual history of things, you know. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, I didn't mean to make all. I'm I'm making this. No, nah, man, I like it. It's a good time. <laughs> well, you want to switch it back over? Well, talk about <laughs> Swish. I mean, uh, first, uh, I read an article. You said you predicted Milwaukee as NBA champions. I did. Oh yeah, let's get into that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I think that there's a lot to be said for uh, like a team having the ability to play together for longer. I think Milwaukee, you know, it's like the cohesion that comes with being on a team with the same people for most I mean, years. Like yeah. New faces, but like, um, and I just think that they're, they're like, they're built to kind of match up really well against anyone. Uh, whereas like, I mean, I think maybe the Celtics are too. Um, and, and the Clippers, you know, uh, like I, I, I do think the Lakers could NBA jam it. Like, you know, just, it's hard to it's hard to rule LeBron out sometimes, you know. Like, I feel like you guys are subtly saying that the Lakers are gonna win. You just didn't know it. With uh, <laughs> J.R. Smith, you know, they call him Young Swish. You know, he just got picked up by the Lakers. So you know, <laughs> oh, we, we we actually yeah, uh, we we did think about that. Oh, see, you guys are clutch, man. I love it. I love it. The whole Swish. Rollout is amazing. I really hope you guys get a sync for those songs because they're like perfect. Like, yeah, it's funny is when you actually Google J- Junior Junior Swish, 
you get a lot of JR, uh, JR Smith images and, yeah. and articles popping up. <laughs> yeah, Junior's definitely not, not very SEO friendly, but yeah, I mean, he's, I, first of all, LeBron, I can't believe that he welcomed him back. Like the, the last Cleveland season was like, that was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that was yeah. honestly, wow. But, but at the same time, you need, the coach should have called timeout. You need an elite shooter. That's Eric Spolster's fault. That's not JR's fault. The coach should have called timeout. They had a timeout. So uh, that, I'm not going to put it all on You're wrong because Eric Spolster is in Miami. But I, I oh, I said Eric. Oh, I made Eric Spolster. Uh, what's his face? What was his name? Ty Lu. Ty Lu. It was T. Lu. T. Lu. Well, he acts like Eric Spolstra in the background. They don't really, they don't really say much. They're not the coaches that walk out and like are actually telling their players to do something. They like just be quiet. No, they're players, coaches. That's why, like, you can't coach LeBron. Let's be real. Like, what are you gonna like? What are you gonna tell them to do? Like, in any situation at that point, you just got to make sure everybody's on the same page and all playing together and like keep keep things cohesive and like. Keep I lose you know me at a timeout that and 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 said timeout. <laughs> That's what he should have done. I mean, like that. watching the last dance with like Phil Jackson, how he deals with Rodman, like holy crap! I can't. Yeah, I can't yeah, imagine somebody that. like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy just nuts. Like yeah. Phil's not the greatest X and O coach, but he is amazing when it comes to personnel. Yeah. Yeah, and when you have an, a, a talent like that, like like a Jordan or a Kobe or a Shaq or a Brian, you don't really need to do that much. You really just need to make sure the team doesn't explode from egos. Like, <laughs> right? I think um, Steve Kerr seems like he'd be like a fun coach to play for. Yeah, they love him. Like he, they seems, love him. he seems like just you know. I think he's a bit overrated as a coach. Like he mm-hmm. won Coach of the Year after you know basically everything's all set up for him and you know and one year he missed like 60 something games and they still lost like three games the entire time he was gone so it's like how much like how important were you really you know and it definitely wasn't luke walton no you <laughs> <laughs> can prove that now the worst nba coach of all time unbelievable he's horrible i don't know yeah nah like sacramento has so this. much talent they have so much talent i can't believe they can't put it together yeah just one of those places, too. Sacramento is a tough place, kind of like Detroit. It's yeah. tough, like, if you don't – like, you can get certain good players, but it's tough, like, that culture to build that back up sometimes. Mm-hmm. But then, it, then it's like that also – like, because, like, I feel like Pop had that culture going in San Antonio, but now it, like, doesn't work or something, you know, like – Well, he's missing, you know, the big three. Like, that was like – yeah, he had the culture, but then you also had Tim Duncan, arguably the greatest power forward of all time. Tony Parker, who was – Easily a top, like you could say a top twenty point guard. Then you have Manu who changed the game. Like so, it's like, yeah, you had culture, but you still had like these amazing players that bought into the culture. You know, right? And Sacramento doesn't have a culture right now, and they don't have amazing players that like transcendent players that buy into it. You need that guy to like fully buy into it. Like Kobe fully buy into it. Seems like he's gonna be really good. Like I think he's. Who's, who's that? Fox. Yeah, he has definitely potential. He seems like I don't know. He seems like he like he's improving. That's like you need to put something around him. You need you know, somebody needs to create some type of culture down there where 
people fully buy in like Milwaukee. That's why they're so good because they have that culture that people bought into. Like, it's not like, it's not a destination, but people are like, Hey, we're fully bought into what we need to do to win. I mean, the Clippers are, the Clippers are awesome. I don't, I think that, you know, I don't necessarily know that anyone on the Clippers could stop Giannis. And I think Giannis, nobody can. And I think Giannis could stop Paul George. You know, I think he could my thing with Giannis though is playoff shooting matters a lot. And as you can see his previous playoffs, that's kind of been a struggle because the paint and those fouls aren't going to be the same as they are, you know, in the ring and the playoffs that are in the regular season. So, that's, that's my only hesitation on him. Is I just think Giannis is going to fold, man. I don't think he can handle the finals. I just don't think he can handle it. He's got to put it know. all on his shoulders. If they double team him every time and his boys aren't it's knocking what down. What they started stuff, to do. Like, yeah, started, but that's that's the warm-ups right now. You know? I mean, I'm talking about the playoffs last, last year and the year before. Yeah. They did. Yeah, Brogdon, they should not have let go of Brogdon. Like, they shouldn't have let him leave because, I don't know. I think he, he would actually fit what they need really well right now. And mm-hmm. he's like on the wrestling too. It's like weird to. It's going to be a weird year. It's going to be yeah. exciting though. Because he like with the quarantine pandemic and all that, like you don't really know what's going to happen. I was like, because it changed everything basically from the season. Whatever happened before doesn't matter anymore. It's like. Yeah. All is. that momentum's gone. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that, um, I'm surprised that like, Durant didn't try and come back. I'm uh, glad he didn't. I'm glad he didn't. I'm not because he wanted to play with Kyrie if they weren't both going to get it done. And he knew they don't have a chance like without either one of them. And I, don't risk the injury again. Get fully healthy. Come back, you know. Because that's what happened to him last time. That's how he got <laughs> was coming back earlier. He than fully he healthy. Had. He came back too early. To try to put the team on his back. And then he's been he's been my favorite player, I think. You know, since since Grant Hill, like I, I just I love Durant's game. He's so good, amazing game, very smooth. Like I don't understand how anyone could ever guard him. Can't. That's what yeah. Nobody's been able to. Really, nobody. Nah, nobody can stop him. He does what he wants. Uh, the only thing you can do if you get in his head, though, you can get in his head, and he might get a little frustrated. That's the only thing. That's that right. Really- but um, if it's a problem, then, then it's a wrap. <laughs> I went to Michigan State, like, around the same time as Draymond, I guess, um, and uh, for, like, a semester. And um, I've always loved Draymond, but, you know, I didn't appreciate I didn't appreciate how he treated Kevin Durant. I thought that was kind of shitty. I don't think Kevin Durant appreciated how he treated Kevin Durant, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's why he's no longer with the Golden State Warriors. So. Like he's he's Draymond's just too cocky. Like I feel like I feel like if you're gonna be like the Swiss Army knife, you gotta stay humble. Like that's like your role is to like pick up like fill in where whatever role needs filling in whatever. I mean, game. I get why he's so cocky though, is because people basically told me he wasn't gonna do anything in the league, and then he mm-hmm. ends up doing so much in the league. That's why he's <laughs> Michigan so State. cocky. Yeah, every Michigan State player has that. Like. Um, Shannon Brown was like way better than people mm. thought he was going to be. Um, Gary Harris, you know, he's like, I feel like he's better than people thought he was going to be. Well, Michigan State's kind of big, like, they have like a system kind of too there where they have, they make players look even better than, you know, they end up being on pros a lot of times. 
I thought Miles Bridges was going to be a better pro than he is, but I mean, he's still young. But. He's young. He's one of the most athletic people I've ever seen. Though it's insane. Yeah, and he and I'm, I'm at Michigan State. He he was he got to the point where he was like shooting the three pretty well too. It's just work. It's different, you know. I mean, it's just it's it's a whole different ball game than than anywhere else these kids have been. So it's like a big adjustment. Yeah. You're no longer just the best player on the court, hands down. Like, it's just, that's not the situation anymore. Yeah, yeah. And that happens at every level. I mean, I remember coming from being the best, you know, everyone that plays college, a college sport was the best player on their high school team. And, you know, then you're not the best player on your college team. Yeah. And then throwing some behind the scenes politics, dealing with money and stuff, and it can ruin, like, it can, yeah, if you're not ready for that, it's it's tough to adjust for sure. Who are you guys picking to win? <laughs> um, I've, I've said I've said LeBron since the beginning, so I'm gonna stick with them since since the beginning of the season. So I'm gonna stick with with my initial predictions, just because if anybody can go crazy in the playoffs, it's him, and he's the one kind of X factor on it. At a, every team, they have this and this and this. Okay, but then LeBron just can manage a game on a whole another level compared to other people. And if, if and if Anthony Davis plays. At a super high level, it's going to be very hard to beat them, I think. Yeah. Um, I just don't like how much they have to rely on KCP because we had him on the Pistons <laughs> for a while. I can tell you that when you pin your hopes to him, he will let you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he's been playing okay. He's been playing yeah, okay. Like opposite of clutch. Like, when you need a three, you'll miss it. But now you have J.R. Smith, and for everything he did wrong, he is that guy. You need a three. Yeah, come out of nowhere and knock down four or five threes for you. Like, yeah, I'm with Dario in terms of who I think is going to win. Um, I've been a diehard LeBron fan, and I already knew as soon as AD came, as long as they were playing, it's pretty much a wrap. Like, in my mind, I just don't see like my thing with the Clippers is I just think they're just too inconsistent, like, they don't play together all the time, three guys aren't playing now. Like, I don't even know if they're all going to be playing by the end of this. Like, yeah. No. They seem like the idealistic ball club to me. Like, they're playing everything really safe. Like, they don't seem like a fun ball club. They just seem like a, a, a like trying to execute the championship with, like, as little actual basketball playing like, as possible. Like, it's, it's kind of weird to but me. Isn't, isn't Kawhi, like, the best at defending LeBron in the league? I'll say one of them for sure. Yeah, he's definitely one. I mean, they they can't match up with Davis, but can't at all. Yeah, like who's going to guard Anthony Davis? But who on the Lakers then is going to guard Paul George? Uh, you know who knows? But and, and like if Lou comes, if Lou comes back, you know he's he's pretty he's pretty yeah tough. yeah yeah. No, that's true. No, it's a very tough matchup for sure. But I just like. Mm-hmm. Paul George has been very iffy in playoffs. That's true. Yeah, honestly, but though, you're not guaranteed to get, like, which Paul George are you getting, you know? And then also, Kawhi yeah, can defend Kawhi him. Why are we getting? What if Kawhi? Okay, so like they're just too inconsistent for me. It's my only problem. Like I would pick them if they had shown at any point that they could like play a seven game series without injury. That's like balls to the wall, you know? Like I don't see like. To me, Kawhi's last championship was, like, luck, pure luck. Like, to me, like, too many cards fell into place for him that made it easy to win, in my eyes. 
Yeah, I mean, he still played pretty clutch, though. Yeah, he played really clutch, but, like, when you take out certain cards, it's almost like, would he even got the opportunity to be clutch, or would it have just been blown out? Like, would he... Like that was that was how I felt, and like you see how where Toronto's at now, it's almost like they're in the same position they were before, during, and after him. That's true. So it's like I don't, I haven't necessarily seen Kawhi prove to me that he's like the number one. He's definitely top three, but I still put Durant above him in terms of like skill. And speaking of the East, I'm not fully sold that Giannis can even get past Toronto because I think Toronto matches up extremely well with with him. Yeah, I guess. I think. Um, I think. I mean. I think honestly, like Gasol could be an X factor because he like seems to. Well, be... Gasol and Siakam can guard him pretty well. Like they can really. Then they have a uh, Ibaka inside, so they can really put length on him. That's gonna really make him struggle. I think. I think Ibaka will give him a hard time. But they, ha- I mean, they do have like a lot of length. Also, like they yeah. got, and they've got the Lopez like. Lopez brothers can shoot threes now. Like that's fucking crazy. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. Like I'm very excited to see kind of what happens. What yeah. six more games now than we get playoffs? So I'm surprised Boston's not better. Like on paper, they should. Like all their players are super long, athletic, skilled. Like I, I just don't think Tatum is fully at that level yet, where he's gonna carry you every single night. Like he'll do it. He'll do it for sure, but not like I don't think every single game you're gonna get the best. Couldn't Kemba do that? Not in the playoffs. I think he's just too little in the playoffs. Like it's gonna be hard. Like it's seven games is it's a long time for people to adjust to you, and it's like scoring just gonna get harder and harder. And size does affect, you know, unfortunately, like scoring ability and like outside of AI, I can't think of anybody that small even that. Can carry a team like that, so yeah, that's true. And he was a different, like he's considered one of the greatest scorers of all time. So it's like it's, he's he's great. I just don't think playoffs. You're gonna need Tatum. You right. need a, that wing who can like carry you night in and night out. And I'm not sure he's fully there yet. Philadelphia is re- really weird too because like they, I don't know. I just feel like they they had the the, the process was really working. And then I think they like they messed it up. You know? They had like a better road. Was it? Uh, I think they lost like two games at home. Then they like were like under five hundred on the road or something like that. Like it's something crazy. Like I don't understand like trading faults after you draft him first. Like you like you know like trading him for nothing. It's like a weird. I don't. I, I don't understand signing another big. <laughs> like right, Orford. Yeah. Like what the hell are they doing? Also, like Embiid and, and Simmons aren't even really the best fit. No. Two players who can't shoot that are tall. Embiid can shoot just not to create obviously the like the knockdown, but <laughs> not, not the greatest. Fit. The then is, like, is the problem. He I can't think, shoot. I, oh yeah. I think um I was watching the Pelicans the other day and I think Zion reminds me of like Larry Johnson mixed with young Shaq. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Where he's just like so, like if he gets the, the ball within like eight, anywhere feet, around the circle, it's oh yeah, powering yeah. through you and scoring. Crazy! It's awesome. Yeah. Fun to watch him. He's also too big. It's like Sean Kemp. Like he puts like Sean Kemp style like umph on it. You know, yeah. like yeah. that's why his his dunks are exciting. Like even if they're light, it just seems like it's so like crazy. He's also too big though, so like he needs to lose a lot of weight. 
I think he put on like 10 pounds. He's easy. He's got to be 300 pounds right now. Like he doesn't look skinnier. He looks bigger. So I don't know. <laughs> that's, that, that's always weird to me too. Like in the NBA, like Oliver Miller was on the Pistons for a while. It's like, if, if you're playing basketball every day, how do you ever get that fat? It doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> Lazy. Lazy. After you burn all those calories, you just eat junk food and sit down on the couch and watch ESPN and play video games. <laughs> I can't even imagine how much junk food you would have to eat. To just order a large pizza, Chipotle, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. But that's that's just one night. That's like Chipotle was the snack before you get the pizza. <laughs> Bottomless pit, right? You know? Yeah. I, athletes eat a lot, you know? So let's um play a little. I'm gonna play a little game, a little quick game. Since you're a Pistons fan, do a little Pistons trivia with you and see see how far your knowledge goes. Since you were you were gonna be in the 1990 Game Six Finals, so you should know a little bit here. Oh boy, we'll see. All right, I'm getting these straight off straight off the internet here. So, in the midst of Ben Wallace leaving to play in Chicago, Detroit was looking to make a splash in the free agent market to replace him. Which center did the Pistons sign to a five-year contract before the season began? Josh Smith. No, Nazir Muhammad. Oh, Nazir Muhammad. That's right. Wow. Josh Smith came after. Okay. Yeah, I think he's like, we're still paying his salary. (laughs) (laughs) Funny story about Josh Smith, right? Okay. So I'm good friends with Peyton Siva, who you guys end up drafting. Yeah, dude, I love him. And, um... Basically, like, a big part of the reason he's out of the league is because of Josh Smith, because Josh Smith was shooting, like, 22% from the field for that entire year. So he made everybody look horrible. Oh, yeah. I Sivo was good, man. He, he had game. His, like, he was really explosive. Yeah. I thought, I thought he was going to stick. Dang Josh Smith, man. <laughs> Josh Smith. Man. All right. Um, that's a little tough one. <laughs> All right, what three Pistons were in the 1990 NBA All-Star Game? 90. Um, Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Dennis Rodman. Correct. Nice. All three right there. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't know if I'd got Rodman on that one. Yeah, that was like his last year. He was with us. That was like right before he became, you know, wild. But he was... He was awesome on the Pistons, diving around yeah. these balls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Here's an obscure one. I'll be surprised if you who in 2002, 2003, who wore number 34? Bison Daly. Corliss Williamson. Corliss Williamson. Shit. Yeah. Corliss Big Nasty Williamson. That. <laughs> He was sweet. All right. Uh, which player played for the Pistons on three separate occasions? I'll give you. I'll give you out of four possibilities: Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, Ronald Dupree, and Lindsey Hunter. Lindsey Hunter. Yep. Lindsey Hunter was like a was a coach for them too. Yeah, he just can't stay away. <laughs> Just can't stay away. Joe Dumar's favorite draft pick that he ever had. <laughs> <laughs> come back. Just come back, man. He loved him. 
revolving door. <laughs> yeah, then he traded away Middleton. Right. <laughs> uh, I remember watching Middleton as a rookie, and he was like, he was a second round pick, but he, you could tell he was just good. Like he, you know, he looked like you can tell when people like look smooth with. Yeah, it took him a little while to adjust to the game, but I think he's definitely you can see it now. He's the speed and everything. It's like he's he's also in the perfect situation. Yeah, he is. They need him. Okay, who set a piston record for most points in one game? Hmm. That would be Chauncey? Jerry Stackhouse. Oh, Stackhouse, right. Yeah. Stackhouse! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 57 against Chicago and April 3rd, 2001. Gotcha, yeah. Wow. That was the era, the teal era. Yep. Here, I'll give you a freebie. Uh, which person player had the most technical fouls against him in a year? Oh, Sheedy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was nuts. <laughs> I think he's got the record in the league for most technicals in a year. Really? Didn't, didn't Draymond come, cl- <laughs> come close? Draymond was definitely close, but I think Rashid still got it. Yeah. Which is amazing how much money he's lost to the NBA in fines. For real. <laughs> uh, I'll give you like three more. All right, here's another freebie. Who was the first round draft pick in 0304? Oh, Darko. Yep. <laughs> the pick that continues the hunt franchise. <laughs> what an asshole. He's like an MMA fighter now. <laughs> yeah, or he tried to be and then got knocked out. <laughs> of course, he's not even good at that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's crazy. All right, who, which piston set the record for most games played? As a piston? Yes, I believe so. Yes, as a piston. Um, Bob Lanier? Who's that? Was it Bob Lanier? No, it was Joe Dumars. Dumar, yeah, of course. He played in 1,018 career games in Detroit. Isaiah played in 979 and Lambeer in 937. Yeah, the Michael Jordan stopper. Hey, I've met, I've actually met and had conversations with uh, Lambier, and he's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, so after the Pistons noticed that the Nazir Muhammad experiment wasn't working, they decided to look for someone new. Which power forward slash center did they sign in 2007? That would be Josh Smith, right? Chris Webber. Wait, Webber played for the Pistons? Yes. I don't remember that. I remember, I, like, I saw when I was a kid, Webber went to uh, Detroit Country Day, which is where Shane Battier also went. Um, mm. uh, but, like, I remember being, like, eight or nine and, like, going to see Chris Webber play in high school because he was, like, one of those players in high school where everyone was just, like. He's the homegrown guy, yeah. Yeah, he was so good. Yeah, he wore number 84 <laughs> with Detroit. Yeah. Because he couldn't wear four. Right. Right, because Dumas. Hmm. All right, and the last one. How many rebounds did Ben Wallace have in game five of the 2004 NBA Finals? 
Wow, that's a tough one. I'm just going to guess here, but 16. 22. 22. Yeah, man. 22 rebounds, 18 points. That's like the guy you want on your team, you know? You know, like, yeah. you know he's going to do all the, all the, like, shit. He's just going to, like, get it done. He's going to clean up after you. If you fuck up, like, that's the guy you want next to a shooter. Like, <laughs> somebody who's just going to jack him up. Like, Russell Westbrook needs that guy. <laughs> they, found the, they found their Rodman again, basically. Yeah. All right. All right. Hey, you did pretty well. Thanks. You did pretty well. Yeah, you're a true fan. True I fan. definitely am. I, you know, I, I like it. <laughs> it's cool, but I feel like basketball, sports in general, like, in a lot of ways is like a cool way to relax your brain after you, after you, you know, if you're like writing all day or something, it's, it's just cool to like watch other people who are incredible uh, mm-hmm. at what they do. Like, just go do it. It's fun. All right, so, uh, you know, obviously love for basketball. We talked about basketball for a while. And the main reason we're here today is because you are preparing to release over a period of different dates your Swish EP. Yeah. What uh, what brought this on? And, you know, obviously why basketball specifically, even though I think I kind of know the answer. <laughs> um, actually, we've been, we've been talking about doing this for a while. Um, we just kind of never had it done um, in time for a season to start. And so I think the lockout or like the, the coronavirus break, we were like, wait a minute, we can finish this and like actually have it ready for the time by the time it comes back. So, yeah. Um, it was just kind of like a good motivation to finish it. But, but yeah, we, I mean, it was just like a love letter to the game, just like a cover of the Curtis Blow song, basketball a cover of the John Tesh NBA on NBC theme. Yeah. And then an original called vertical. Um, oh, I love that song vertical yeah. too, by the way. I do too. I, 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 I'm, I'm excited about that one coming out. Cause I think it's a really good one. Yeah. We've had the pleasure of listening to it. And I'm, uh, I liked everything I heard and that, that, that was a very cool concept, especially with the NBA kind of coming back with everything going on. I think the timing is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Curtis blow fit for, for some why time. those specific covers? Um, well, <laughs> I mean, John Tesh is just like, it's like funny, you know, it's like, yeah. funny. like also, you know, he, like he, rec- he wrote that song by like calling his home phone and singing it into his answering machine. Like when he had, when people had answering machines, that's how I like wrote it. <laughs> I think it's just funny. Um, so I don't know. We always wanted to cover that. Plus it's just like, it's, ri- it's a ridiculous song. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. Um, and Curtis Bill basketball is just, it's always been like an awesome song. Just like kind of. Fun to listen the, to. the nostalgia from the round ball rock definitely hit hit strong when I heard. It. I was like, man, I haven't heard this in forever. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Also, why no 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 Space Jam covers in there? Well, you know, can't can't cover them all. <laughs> maybe in the future, maybe down the line. Well, I mean, we we figured we'll we'll save it. Maybe we'll get asked to to do some stuff for the new Space Jam. That would be awesome. That yeah. would be very awesome. <laughs> That'd be the best. And uh, re- release schedule wise, uh, would it, you know what's your guys' plan to drop everything? So, um, we are going to put out the next song, the, the Curtis Blow song, um, when the playoffs start, and then okay. when the finals start, Vertical will will come out. Cool. And you guys are also doing a vinyl package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So the whole thing was like we we wanted to we actually wanted to make the record look like a basketball, like real texture wise and stuff, but I guess it's just impossible. So we like 
find, we talked to a bunch of different vinyl manufacturers and, and found one that would, could make the vinyl look like a legit basketball. It's like so, a photo vinyl, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like a basketball. Like it looks really cool. Like when I saw it, I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. And we got like a, we did like a, um, a junior, junior champion run of like champion merch. I think it's going to be like, it's going to be cool. So you can get like the basketball vinyl with like basketball shorts and a, and a hoodie. Sweet. I might have to grab one. You also, you guys can go pre-order it now, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's if you just go to juniorjunior.com. Okay. Awesome. Juniormusic.com actually, I think it is. Sweet. And uh, I guess I just wanted to play one of the songs for everybody. I guess you just released Round Ball Rock. So let me just get that.
it's so prog rock. It's so funny. Awesome. The nostalgia hits very strong in that one. Oh, yeah. Cool. It's crazy what you did with that because the nostalgia's there, but then like the breakdowns and how you, you mix in a little bit of you know new instrumentation makes it like really cool. So well, I'm gonna be honest that that was that was mostly Daniel that that did all like because he is um way better at like uh, I have ADD so like just to like learn that song is so hard. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Uh, I definitely like you know gotta give props to him because he's the one that like really really took the time and like had the patience to, <laughs> to figure that out. You just don't hear those type of like synth sounds anymore. Like it's just like oh man, it just hits. Yeah. I know, man. It's you know I've been listening to um, put on this Phil Collins record, No Jacket Required, the other day, and like mm-hmm. it sounds like the '80s. Like it just every sound sounds like the '80s, but yeah. for for whatever reason, it sounds it, it, like in the '80s. It was probably cool, and then it was cheesy, and now I feel like it's maybe cool again. Kind of coming back a little bit, you know, kind of getting that retro, kind of refurbished, you know. Yeah. But definitely hearing that kind of had me picturing, like, on those, like, old school, like, late 80s movies where, you know, they had the short shorts and, like, playing basketball with these group of kids playing basketball that clearly have no idea how to play basketball, you know, and it's, like, all intense and, like, you know, those cutscenes, like, it, yeah, it definitely feels, like, from that era, like, I don't know that. I was, watching, I was watching this movie, John Tucker Must Die, a couple years ago. It's like a really stupid teen movie. And like the guy is like, he's like a, like a really popular, like cool, you know, white guy. And he's on the basketball team. And in a game, he does a full front flip dunk. <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck were you even thinking with this? I think like, I might have seen that too. That is out of the mayor. I also think of like Team Wolf when he was playing. I think he was playing basketball, right? Like the whole basketball scene. Like it's like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> you guys see that movie, Luck of the Irish? It was a no. Disney movie. Uh-huh. Oh, and there was a scene like that too, where this kid, like, it was basically like luck, and he could do anything on the court. So he was like doing crazy dunks and like hook shots, full court and shit. Like, <laughs> definitely feels like yeah, like one of those old Disney movies, like. uh what was it like the one you know how like the roller skating ones they did when like skating was really big and whatever like maybe Brink that's what it was called it feels like one of those type of movies where it gets all intense like at the end of the end of the movie where he's finally about to win the game so like that yeah like uh-huh. definitely that feel mm-hmm. cool um so ball that is Round Ball Rock yeah. yeah that song was dope Round Ball Rock was sick I love you guys doing that um, but yeah, I got a weird question since we were talking about film and stuff. I was wondering, what's your favorite like basketball movie? Oh, that's yeah, um, that's a good that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I guess I I guess I always like blue chips. Mm. Great one. Blue chips is so sick. Okay, see see, blue chips was the one before uh um what basically like Space Jam kind of like um. <laughs> Like Blue shit. Chips came out right before that was like kind of like a dream team setup, like all the players in there. Um like oh, a- was Grant Hill. No, uh, so Blue Chips um was Shaq Penny. Shaq and Penny, yeah, Shaq and Penny. And then someone else. And yeah, they were they had been like recruited by Nick Nolte to play like in a Yeah, it was all about recruiting the college, like recruiting and all that stuff. Like it's a classic. 
I like I mean I like hoop dreams too, but it's just so sad. Yes, there's some like weirdly like dark basketball movies, you know, it's like from that period. I mean, yeah, he got games a little sad too. Um, it's a great one. Though. Man can't jump a basketball movie. I guess it is. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Wesley Snipes actually looks like he can play basketball, which is cool. Yeah. Even when he looked like he played in there, like he looked like they looked look like they actually played a little bit, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Above the rim. Right. Yeah. Also, kind of a dark one, you know. Jesus Shuttlesworth. That's he got game. Yeah. That's above the rim game. was actually, you know what? Above the rim. I, now that I'm, above the rim, that's the Pac movie, right? Pac movie, man. Soundtrack. That, that soundtrack was crazy awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember like I had that, had that CD. I think for me, I got it's probably still Space Jam. It's hard to hard to top that. <laughs> what it did for the time, you know. Mm. Oh yeah. Bill Murray's in it. I mean, you can't beat that, right? <laughs> Bill Murray gonna be in this in Space Jam too. Hmm. Do we know who? There's a lot. Of, there's so many basketball movies. I wonder. Hmm. I never yeah. saw who's. Be honest, I never saw that. You never saw it, huh? It's definitely for the older generation, I think, in terms of like that's their that's their you know one on the pedestal. But for the younger generation, like yeah, it's not so like not for me. You guys see Pistol about Pete Maravich? Uh, I've seen his documentary. I haven't seen. I actually used to have like his little instructional videos he would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About how to play basketball and stuff like that. Like it was awesome. Good skill. But I feel like Steph Curry probably is like, you know, I, mm. I always see like the advertisements for him doing like the master class thing. I bet he's probably a better, better teacher. Huh, I haven't seen those. I know he had a master class. It's interesting. Um, mm. Cool. Uh, before we go, I just want to like maybe play one more song since you guys did release, uh, I think one re- recently, like a month ago called The Gambler. Oh, yeah to give people kind of a, a feel of, you know, your music outside of basketball themed, you know, <laughs> theme sounds. This one, this one was crazy. I, I, my girlfriend is a comedian. She was doing a festival in Vegas and um, they, I went with her and they put us up in this hotel that was like, just sad. It was like dark, you know, and. Do you know um, the name of it? I, I, I shouldn't say. <laughs> right, you can tell me later. You can tell me later. Restaurant in the, in the, um, in the in the lobby and there were like people there were like people doing like iv hangover cures you know like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i see those bars and like it was just sad and kind of, <laughs> just out there open like, <laughs> and i had a panic so weird. um so I, yeah i had i stayed in the room and then i was just thinking about this song <laughs> called the gambler and uh i mean yeah I mean, I won't, I'll just, I'll just play it where people kind of hear it for themselves. But I, like, I definitely get those Vegas vibes when I first heard it. I was like, oh yeah, it definitely feels like the seedier parts of Vegas. If you know those areas for sure. Yeah. It's sleazy and, and I hate it. <laughs> Vegas, not the song. All right. So let's give this one a go.
It's a little psychedelic there. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I like that. I like the uh, kind of trippy psychedelic uh, tones you had in there, especially towards the end. Like, I really like that. Thanks. I'm actually um, uh, today learning how to learning how to grow my own mushrooms. It's oh, there you go. <laughs> so maybe we'll get some more some more songs like that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely those peaks and valleys, you know. <laughs> awesome. Uh man, we covered a lot today. Really yeah. uh really hate everything. So people can listen to Round Ball Round Ball Rock. It's out right now. Also the Gambler released a month ago and also August and Everything Prior EP just released a few months ago. So you have a lot of music out there for people to check out and you know, we're we're I'm a big fan now, like Everything I've heard, I really like it. I've had a great time talking with you. You're a cool dude. Uh, really, really like you guys' insight into everything. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I, I um, this is really cool. I, I haven't, uh, I haven't been on a, a podcast ever. Oh, well. Oh, really? Well, yeah. you're natural, man. You're a good speaker. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I tend, I tend to talk too much. So, <laughs> perfect amount. The perfect amount. Everybody, the worst is when you have a guest who doesn't talk, like who are like you have to like force things out of. You yeah. Like, perfect. <laughs> yeah. No, we really appreciate you sharing all your stories and everything, and you were really generous with your time. And and uh, you know, unfortunately, Daniel couldn't be here, but I definitely feel you guys' close knit. Uh, collaborative, you know, process going. Your music is seamless. You know, it doesn't seem like you're mailing in anything. You're definitely both dedicated to making this thing the biggest it can be. So I'm I'm a fan, like Dario said, and I'm going to keep on, I'm going to be showing people your work, you know, and all of that. Oh, thank you. Thank but you. I'm going to have to get one of those basketball vinyls, get to my yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll send you guys some. Yeah. Um, it's been 10 years and I feel like it's, you know, it's like a marriage. It's like, it's hard work. Like you gotta, you gotta like really work on yeah. your relationship. Uh, Cause everyone, everyone's life changes. You know, that's really the thing. It's not your relationship that changes. It's like life around everything. Yeah. So different things have to move around like a same way. Me and uh, Doris have been at this for about, about the same amount of time. So like we definitely, definitely understand. Yeah. Cool. You guys Process. Um, I guess what's, What's next other than, you know, the release of this? You have any guys things bigger planned, hopefully when all this calms down. You can yeah, back we we were trying to put on like a two man, one man show. So it's basically like us talking about stuff and playing music. Uh the concept is kind of interesting, but we never got to do it because you know we had to cancel all the shows. But I really hope to do that someday. Um hope to reschedule it. And in the meantime, you know, I'm just, I, I try and make music every day. I feel like it, I'm lucky enough to have this be my job. And so I got to treat it like a nine to five, at least yeah. every, and get in here and work every day if I can. Cool. Cool. Got any more questions, Doris? I mean, we covered so much, man. I, uh, I don't think I have any more specific questions. Um, I just look forward to the release and, uh, I definitely want to get one of those, um, just like maybe the bundle, maybe just like the whole the whole short set and everything, because that's really cool that that champion uh, collaboration. So uh, for everybody listening, make sure you go pre-order right now so you can get the whole thing, the uh, the vinyl and all of the merch. We'll have all the details 
below when we put this up for sure. Sweet, thanks. Yeah, but we'll we'll send you guys some. Awesome, and uh, we'll definitely have you back on. You know, whenever you want. Uh, it's maybe around finals time. You know, quest LeBron, bring it home or something. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I'm in LA, and you know, I I can't root for any LA teams, but um, you know, I, I definitely would rather the Lakers win than the Clippers. Yeah. So. Definitely. I mean, glad having you on. We'll definitely have you on anytime, anytime in the future. We'll gladly promote anything you guys got going on and just keep it up. You guys have already been, obviously you guys have already been more successful than most artists would have even dreamed of being, but I think you guys can even take it to another level. And I, I think you guys have that, that sound that, that, that'll help you get there. Thank you. Wow. That's super nice. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Always. So, Everybody listening in the future, peace. Uh, we'll have all the details down below where you can follow them. Go cop some of their merch. We'll have some of their sounds. And, uh, yeah, check you guys soon. Yeah, man. Thanks, everybody. Keep living life fearless.